BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Ariana Prail in for Michael Krasny. Four years ago, Lisa Lucas became the first woman and the first African-American to lead the National Book Foundation, and soon she'll become publisher of Pantheon and Shockin' Books at Penguin Random House. We'll talk to Lucas about her career, diversity in the publishing industry, and we'll hear what books she recommends reading and gifting this holiday season. But first, San Francisco District Attorney Chesa Boudin made headlines yesterday when he announced filing charges for the first homicide prosecution against a law enforcement officer in the city's history. Boudin joins us to talk about the case. That's all next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail, in for Michael Krasny. In a long-awaited move, yesterday, San Francisco District Attorney Chesa Boudin filed charges against former San Francisco police officer Chris Samayoa for fatally shooting Keita O'Neill in 2017 after a car chase. Police had pursued O'Neill, who was suspected of carjacking a California lottery van. When O'Neill hit a dead end, he fled the vehicle, running past the squad car Officer Samayoa was in. Samayoa, who was a rookie officer still under probation at the time, fatally shot O'Neill through the window of the squad car. O'Neill was unarmed. This is the first time in the city's history that an officer has been charged with homicide by the DA's office in a use-of-force case. If you, our listeners, have questions about the case or reactions to this news, email us at forum at kqed.org or post your comments on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Joining me now is San Francisco District Attorney Chesa Boudin. Welcome back to Forum. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be here. So, District Attorney Boudin, what exactly are the charges your office has filed against Chris Samayoa? We filed several different charges, including voluntary manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, assault with a semi-automatic firearm, use of force by an executive officer, and negligent discharge of a firearm. Those charges each have an allegation attached to them or an enhancement, which uh, alleges that Officer Samayoa personally used a firearm in the commission of those offenses. And how did you arrive at those charges specifically? We engaged in an exhaustive and meticulous review of all of the evidence available. We used all of the investigative tools at our disposal, from voluntary witnesses to uh, grand jury investigations to subpoenas to review of body-worn camera footage. 
And after looking at everything, we decided to charge this case consistent with our broader commitment to equal enforcement of the law and to not overcharging cases. And what I mean by that is we could have filed a first or second degree murder charge, but we recognize that not every unlawful taking of a human life is a murder. Some are manslaughters. And in this case, as in every case, we tried to charge the case based on what we're confident we can prove at the outset. If over the course of the preliminary hearing and other litigation, evidence emerges that leads us to believe we can prove to a jury a murder charge, then we have the ability to elevate it at a later date. Okay, so that is still on the table then, a possible murder charge. Absolutely. And so the the law that you're going to be, that this case is going to be held against is, is not the newer use of force law that, that took effect um, in January, but can you break down the law that will be used in this case um, concerning uh, whether a reasonable officer in similar circumstances would have acted in the same way? Sure. So the law that you're referring to, known as Assembly Bill 392, as you said, took effect in January of 2020. It is not retroactive. And that means it does not apply to any use of force um, by officers prior to January of 2020. Um, the, the difference is that AB 392 made it slightly, made a slightly higher standard for police officers to lawfully use force during the course of an arrest. Um, the law that will apply to former officer Samayoa's case is basically that a homicide committed by a peace officer is justifiable when necessarily committed in arresting a person who has committed a felony and the person is fleeing or resisting such arrest. Now here, our belief, and we are confident the evidence will show that um, this taking of Mr. O'Neill's life was not justifiable because it was not necessarily committed in arresting Mr. O'Neill. Mr. O'Neill was unarmed. He was on foot. He was uh, in a dead end area with numerous other police cars essentially surrounding him. And Officer Samayoa was the only officer on scene who even uh, drew his service weapon. Okay, we are talking with District Attorney Chase Boudin uh, about the criminal charges his office filed in the police shooting of Keita O'Neill. Do you have questions about the charges, uh, reactions to this news? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. We only have a few minutes for this segment, so the time would be to call now. And you can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us your questions at forum at kqed.org. Um, you've also spoken about rebuilding the Independent Investigations Bureau. It was a unit that was created by your predecessor, George Gascone, made up of attorneys that would gather evidence on the scene. Is, can you tell us a little bit more about that? And is that playing any role in this case against Chris Samayoa? Absolutely. That unit is the unit that conducted the investigation um, and presented the case to me for decision about whether to charge and what charges to file. It's the unit that will be litigating the case all the way through trial if necessary. Uh, DA Gascon, former DA Gascon, created this unit with the support of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. It really is a model unit in terms of the vision and the um, framework. It, it allows for um, our office to play a leading role in investigating any officer-involved shooting. So we're not simply relying on the 
agency that that was involved in the shooting to investigate themselves. Um, while the while the model that DA Gascon built is a great one, of course, like all things, it takes time to make it work in practice. And it was really only in December of 2019 that the memorandum of understanding between my IIB unit and the San Francisco Police Department uh, kicked in and began to operate smoothly in the uh, officer-involved shootings that we've had since then. The way it works basically is if there's uh, any event, an officer-involved shooting being the best example, that triggers our memorandum of understanding to kick in that leads to our office being the lead investigating agency, we get a notification from the police department and we send out investigators and attorneys to be on scene so they can speak with witnesses, um, obtain uh, video surveillance footage or any of the other things necessary to fully investigate what happened and evaluate whether charges should be filed. Okay, let me go to caller Greg in San Francisco. I was a uh, quick question. Um, I, whereas this shooting was tragic and I, I mourn the loss of the uh, person who was uh, killed by the officer. Um, I'm wondering why the DA is bringing up uh, an, an investigation that was concluded many years ago. And instead he's not charging persons like the old man who was assaulted on uh, Dolores Park and he dropped the charges against that man, and he's not bringing up charges against a person who was caught in the city with multiple drugs for sale, and he's dropping those charges. Crime's up 1,100% in the city. Hot pile burglaries are up 54% in the city. I'm wondering why he's not charging the true criminals when this crime was uh, already, or this when, when this officer was already exonerated from this shooting. Thank you. I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks, Greg. And I guess, yeah, District Attorney, why this case now? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, really appreciate the question, Greg. Uh, a few points I want to just correct because there's a bit of misinformation in the question. I want to make sure we're clear on the facts. This investigation was never concluded. Uh, he was never, as you put it, exonerated. The prior administration handed over this investigation to me, uh, still ongoing. Uh, so that's the first point. The second point is crime in San Francisco since I took office is down nearly 25%. And that's according to the San Francisco Police Department uh, crime dashboard. So you can check that out on their website. Uh, they report um, a 24.7% decrease year on year in uh, crime overall. So um, again, a few uh, key factual corrections there. Um, and then the other thing is we regularly charge the categories of crimes that you mentioned, Greg. I don't know specifically which drug case or assault case, but our rebooking rates from uh, drug cases the San Francisco Police Department presents to us in 2020 are about 80 uh, percent. It's it's only the exceptional case where we believe uh, either the interest of justice or some deficiency in the investigation prevents us from filing charges. So uh, please follow up with my office if you have further questions about that data. We're happy to provide you with it. Um, and again, one of the one of the challenges with these cases is they do take a really long time to investigate. One of my commitments is to close these investigations sooner, um, and we're working as quickly as we can to do that. But uh, it's taken a lot of work around restaffing our independent investigation bureau 
to get it up and running and be in a position to even make these decisions in cases like the killing of Mr. O'Neill. And and for Samayoa's case, what kind, with these charges, what kind of prison time would Samayoa face if he's convicted? It's pretty early to say specifically what kind of prison time he would face. It really depends on what specific charge he is convicted of and the circumstances, if we negotiate a disposition, et cetera. But a, uh, the, the, the personal use of a firearm allegation alone carries a maximum possible 10-year addition on the base sentence. Um, and the voluntary manslaughter charge could be up to 11 years. So looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of a 21-year maximum uh, but again, it really does depend on uh, on the facts. And um, we don't believe that Mr. Samayoa is a flight risk. He's been out of custody during the nearly three years the investigation's been pending. Uh, and so we're, we're not asking for his remand uh, or his uh, pretrial uh, detention pending trial. We believe um, that he will come to court and that he will abide by the law pending trial. Uh, and so consistent with my broader commitment to eliminate the use of money bail and only seek detention in those cases where I believe there's an active flight or public safety risk, um, we are asking the court to allow Mr. Samayoa to remain at liberty pending trial. Um, so we just have um, seconds left, but this is being seen as a pivotal case for you and your office having campaigned on the promise to hold police accountable for brutality and killings. Just briefly, do you see it that way? I see there's one small step towards fulfilling a promise to enforce laws equally, to um, charge cases as I see them. And that includes cases where police are the ones who commit the crime. It's never an easy decision to file a homicide charge against anyone, no matter the circumstances. Uh, Every single homicide is difficult for the victims and survivors, first and foremost, um, and for the people who, who took the life and faced criminal charges. It's difficult for me to uh, make these decisions, but I believe it was the right decision. I think it's a critical step towards justice and towards um, well, thank- making sure that Yes, Stanford and thanks for coming on. District Attorney Chase Boudin and helping us understand this news from your office perspective. Stay with us. This is Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. 
New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.